This podcast is presented to you by Passion Church and their campus in Alexander City, Alabama. For more information, visit www.mypassion.church. When we left off last Wednesday, we had arrived in Jerusalem and the ark had been set in his place in the tabernacle of David, and David instituted some things that had never been instituted before. God, he and God got together, and God gave him a plan, just like he gave Moses a plan. He gave David a plan, and it was progressive truth. It was something that had never been done before. And uh, he established the order of worship, which is so significant From this time forward, from this time of David, an order of worship that had never been in place before was established. Never had there been singing and playing of instruments in the tabernacle of Moses. It was a solemn worship. It was a quiet, solemn, plodding, steady worship because it was the offering of sacrifices, blood sacrifices for the atonement of sins, which was necessary. So the, you know, the, everything that went on at the tabernacle of Moses was necessary. But God had spoken and decided that he was leaving that order and he wanted to come to a new order. And you need to, those of you who haven't been here through all of the teachings, you need to get the CD series. Um, I, everything's free now. So you're not, God, not, no, no excuse. No excuse why you can't get the CD series. So if you've missed, and there might, probably if you have missed, I might say some things that you kind of scratch your head about and don't quite understand, get the CD series because I cannot go all the way back to the beginning to bring you up to speed here today. But all, all the kind of most of what we've been teaching, and I've tried to come from, from this place because everything in the Old Testament, pointed to the New Testament. And it is a type and a shadow of a spiritual application that goes on in our lives from a spiritual perspective. And we have to get that spiritual understanding. We have to know how to apply to our lives or else it's just going to be head knowledge. It's just going to be facts and figures. And we're not going to know how that how that applies to us. How do we walk that out? How do we live that out? So I, I, my focus has been so much on that. But we have to have some natural understanding, right? Yes. The Word says that my people perish for a lack of knowledge, mental, natural understanding how things work. So if we don't get that, if we don't have some foundation of that, we don't know what we need to apply, do we? So... I'm going to talk, probably do a lot of what I call analytical teaching tonight to to solidify some things um, so that you have a clear knowledge and working knowledge and understanding to um, solidify what we've been teaching and what we've been talking about. So where we left off, David had set up those two. um, He'd set up the in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, um, and through that chapter, he set up the Davidic order of worship, which was the Levites and the priests that he called out and specifically named. And I think Ron and some of the men have passed around sheets that give you a charted kind of understanding of, of this um, from, the, from Chenina to the three main Asap, Heman, and, Heman and Jadathan, and to those, the courses underneath them. And then the families and those that came underneath them. These were all the Levites that were involved in this. Some were, most of them were at the tabernacle of David. And there was a regiment that was sent back to the tabernacle of Moses, which was at Mount Gibeon, to carry on with the blood sacrifices because they had to be carried on. The blood sacrifices had to be continued because Jesus hadn't come yet. But as we have solidified so many times, God's favorite house was David's tabernacle where the praise and the worship and the joy and the thanksgiving was going on. That was God's favorite house. That was the one he said he was going to rebuild. He wasn't going to go back t- 
today's time and rebuild the tabernacle of Moses. He didn't say he was going to rebuild the tabernacle of Solomon or the temple of Solomon. He said it was a tabernacle of David that he wanted to rebuild. But there are some points that I want to make sure that we understand <clears throat> that um, just, just to touch base and make sure we've got a clear working knowledge and understanding of what was going on. At this, and, and I'm going to start here, just read what, um, and, and I had told you before that the two books that we're kind of taking most of, our, besides the Bible, um, is the book, uh, number one, Tommy Teeny wrote the book, God's Favorite House, and it's a wonderful spiritual application of what David's Tabernacle is. And then this book, which is by Kevin J. Connor, it's a written, I think, in the 70s, um, but there's been a few revised editions of the Tabernacle of David. And this is a very analytical study, like you're a student in school teaching book. So it's, it's very um, facts and figures kind of book. So I'm going to read a little bit from this book. So we're going to start from talking about uh, what David had set up. And in the, from this time in the time of David, the worship was performed at two places where the sacred things had been transmitted from the age of Moses were preserved before the ark of Ju at Jerusalem, which was what we've been studying about. The ark came in and set in his place at the tabernacle of David in Jerusalem. Asap and his brethren officiated as singers. Obed-Edom, Hosa served as the doorkeepers. Benina and Jehazel blew the trumpets. Then while at the tabernacle and burnt offering in Gibeon, Haman and Jaduthan presided over the sacred sacrifice, the sacred music. The sons of Jaduthan were doorkeepers, and Zadok, with his suite of attendant priests, offered the sacrifices. It's very pointative to uh, what we've been studying that, that, as I've reiterated, as I said, I'm going to say it again, this had never been done before. There had never been worship. There had never been music of any kind at the tabernacle of Moses. Now, there was music in the days of Israel. We know Miriam sang when they came out of the Red Sea and she played the, the timbrel, and we have recordings of Moses singing. So they sang and they played and they had worship like that, but never before was it incorporated into the tabernacle or the religious worship, the, the sacrificial services that never been or had ever come into play in that. This is so important. It tells of God's heart. It shows us how important worship, praise, and music is to God. Because it, he, he decided, this is the way I want it. And David instituted it. He also had a company of um, music going on 24 hours a day. Now, there's no mention of it going on 24 hours a day at the Tabernacle of Moses. But there is mention of it at the Tabernacle of David, that it went on 24 hours a day. Seven days a week, never stopped. We talked about the significance of that last week, what that provided, what that praise and worship, 24-hour praise and worship, what that meant, and how, um, how it relates to us in our worship. It's, it's the worship of the heart and of the life that come out of that. <clears throat> the chart that you have, like I said, shows... Um, the breakdown of that. And um, I just want to go through the order of singers and musicians a little bit here. The ministry of the singers and musicians was given prominence in David's time. It was undoubtedly the peak of Israel's national, national history in many ways, especially in the area of worship. <clears throat> There's some points that I want to make here, so if you're taking notes, you can take notes. Number one, this is, this is what David instituted. I'm going to outline a little bit for you the order of David and the privilege, ministry, and responsibility of the singers and the musicians in the tabernacle of David. And this even carried on into the temple of Solomon. It, this not only was done in the tabernacle of David and then stopped, it was transferred into the temple of Solomon. And the reason why I want to just take, and I'm not saying that, that anybody here has a question about uh, having music and singing in the, in the church. I just want to show you, maybe somebody will come to you and they'll say, I just don't understand why y'all got to have all that stuff going on. Why y'all got to have all that music and all that singing all the time? Well, this is going to give you a little bit, maybe something you can share with somebody who doesn't understand why you need to have it. 
Number one, God said he wanted it. He wanted it so bad it went on 24 hours a day. It never stopped. Around the ark, it never, never stopped. There was never a minute that there wasn't singing and music going on around the ark. There was never a minute that there wasn't worship going around around that ark of God in the tabernacle of David. That's how important it is. So the, the singer, we, we're going to start with number one here. The singers and the musicians were appointed. Okay? Appointed means to cause to stand. They were assigned an office, ordained and equipped for this function. You can see David doing this in the very beginning as soon as he set the tabernacle in his place. He ordained and appointed singers and musicians in their place. It was not merely the use of talent, okay? It wasn't just about who could sing the best and who could play the best. It was a ministry unto the Lord in Israel. The singers and the musicians were separated. They were separated. The word separated means they were selected and set apart to this function, separated to the ministry of song. This was their job. This was what they were called to do, separated out from among the rest of them to do this. The singers and the musicians were instructed. The singers and the musicians were instructed in the songs of the Lord. There were those who taught them to sing praises to God. You can see that all the way through the Psalms, to the chief musician, to the chief musician, you know, they're sending songs. Asaph was, you know, they're all, David was sending songs for them to teach the singers to sing in praise and worship to God. So they were instructed. The 288 singers needed instruction in order to release that which had God had placed in their hearts. So important. God had placed them. These were songs of the heart that came out of their heart. They were instructed in that. The singers and musicians had a director, as I've just said. Chenina, which interpreted means preparation made by God, favor of God was chosen to be the master of the song. He was actually the choir leader and director. I talked in one of the services that um, was much like Ron is the Chenina of this house. God has set him apart and set him in that position, separated and called him out for that leadership position to lead us in praise and worship unto the Lord. <clears throat> the singers and musicians were taught under his hands. The, the singers and musicians were in various ranks. There were three chief singers and musicians. Then there were others of second degree, that is the second order in rank. So there are those in the house of the Lord who have their various skills in the ministry of music. doesn't mean that anybody's greater. How many of y'all know that? But it just means that we have different talents and callings and places that God sets us in the house for certain things and certain purposes. Same way he does with the ministry of music. The singers and musicians were chosen by name. And y'all know I, had, I, I, I like, like to call them Sam and Fred and John. And, you know, all those easy names would be so much better than all these names, you know. But they were called by name, you know. And they had a ministry and song and were recognized. And we have record of them today. Thousands of years later, whew, we have record of these that were pulled out, chosen, and set apart to do this. Oh, how powerful that is. Maybe that not be powerful for y'all, but it is for me because I'm a singer, I'm a praiser, I'm a worshiper. And it's so powerful to me. Oh, I get so excited about it. I'm called by name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The singers and the musicians were skillful. It, it specifically says the word they were skilled in what they did. They were skillful. The word skillful speaks of those who were practiced, those who were expert and had the ability to understand, perceive, and perform in the service of the Lord. Ignorance and lack of skill find no virtue in the things of God. Ignorance and lack of skill find no virtue in the things of God. David could play well and skillfully when he ministered before King Saul. 
So those who have this ministry should seek to be skillful before the Lord. I look out here and I don't see any of my musicians. I'm going to tell them they're going to get the CDs. I, don't, I see two of my praise and worship singers. Take this study to heart. It's an, we have been called to an important, important task. Amen. It's serious. It's serious business. The singers and musicians were employed in their work. Various priests had their particular services in the temple. Some of those were employed in the service of praise in the temple day and night. Many nations in Bible times have had highest talented musicians to minister in their palaces and employed them to do so. So it, this tells us that they were employed in their work. They didn't have any other thing they did. This is what they did. This was their job. This was what they were. It, it's not that that's what they were looking for. You understand? Do you understand? They didn't go up to David and say, hey, David. I'm up for the position. Look at me. Here's my resume. Choose me. I want to get paid for this. No. David called them. He set them apart. He ordained them. And then he said, I'm going to pay you for it. I'm going to see to it that you are compensated. This, I, want, I want this to be what you do. So you can give all of your time and your effort and your heart to this. So, so very important. The singers and musicians had charge of the service of song. The service of song or song service was a distinct charge given to the Levites in the tabernacle of David. Then later on incorporated in the temple of Solomon. There are those whom the Lord gives a distinct ministry for leading the song service in his house. The singers and musicians waited on their office. Those who had this ministry had to wait on their office according to their order. It was not a haphazard thing, but a sense of responsibility before the Lord. As others in the bodies of Christ and the body of Christ have to wait on their ministry, attending to it as a priest. We're all priests, are we not? Didn't Peter say that? Okay. So each of us has to wait or attend. Do you understand what I'm saying? Not, not sit down here. Oh, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about attending to, giving service to, giving your heart to, putting everything that you are into that. Okay? That's what he's talking about. As others in the body of Christ have to wait or attend on their ministry, attending to it as a priest, so does the singer and musician need to attend to their ministry. The singers and musicians receive their portions in the restoration, and this, this is shown uh, specifically, more, more specifically in Nehemiah. But in the restoration from Babylon, the singers and musicians were to be given their portion out of the Lord's house. Nehemiah lamented the fact that they had not been given their portion so that they could function in the ministry of song. So in the church today, those who minister in song and music should receive their portion from the Lord's storehouse. Without this spiritual portion, their function will cease. So very, very important. And I, you know, I know you, you know, I, I know how pastor feels. You know, I've been Ron and I have pastored before, and you don't want people. You don't come up here and say, "Okay, I, I want, I want, I want for me." The, the point is, we want for you. Okay. And I feel the same way as a, as a leader in music. Okay, it is, Nehemiah stresses the importance that we give, be given out of our portion out of the Lord's house. But you know who it's really for? Because if we're doing what we're supposed to do, hello, you're going to get blessed. Hello, you're going to get in on it. You're not going to get left out. You're going to be a recipient of that. You, when, when we're doing what we're supposed to do, leading you into praise and worship, how many, whoo, you can't get into the presence of God and not get blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. Everybody is a recipient of that. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And then finally, in this particular thing, the singers and musicians functioned in their courses. There were singers, the singers were numbered by David into 24 courses. There was someone on duty in their course throughout the 24 hours a day, a night, 
praising the Lord. You know, what a cool atmosphere that must have been to live in. Can you imagine living, oh, I don't know, down at the bottom of Zion? And that's what you, you wake up at night. And boy, you hear the trumpets are playing and the guitars are going and the singing going, the praise is going on 24-7. Anytime you wake up with a bad dream, you just, ooh, listen. <sighs> Soothing to my soul. I, I, I mean, I, I just, what, what a, no wonder, no wonder that, that Zion is the place. No wonder, I'm telling you. Woo, hallelujah, it's good stuff. God inhabits the praises of his people. There was continual service of praise ascending to the Lord as the Levites waited in their particular course. What a glorious atmosphere to live in. What a glorious atmosphere to live in. And you know what? That's the atmosphere that me and you are supposed to create every minute of the day. David said, his praises shall continually be upon my lips. That's creating that 24-7 in your heart, in your life. And then we bring it in here together. Woo! And boy, do we make a beautiful, beautiful noise unto the Lord. When we're doing that in our lives and we bring it and come together, man, that's when things happen. That's when stuff starts happening. Hallelujah. So we've just gone through a little bit of that. And I want to touch, you know, um, <clears throat> let me get to the right thing here. It's so important that we understand these, what David established. He, he, he got his marching orders from God. He didn't come up with this on his own. God told him exactly what he wanted. And we, we can see that. You know, some people say, well, how do you know? How do you know? Well, because God said, God said he was a man after his own heart, and he did all of his will. That's what God said about David. He did all of his will. So if this wasn't the will of God, he wouldn't have done it. I mean, do you all understand English like I do? That's what that means. If this hadn't been God's will, this wouldn't have taken place. These, he wouldn't have set these things in order. <clears throat> so um, the, all of these were according to the commandment of David. And every time, uh, Ron said that he thought that I had mentioned this, but I wanted to mention this again just in case I didn't. But every time that you see, any time that you had the falling away of Israel, falling away of Judah after um, Solomon's time and Rehoboam came and then you, after that you saw the decline of the kings. Every time that and the, Israel split, Israel never had a good king after, after Solomon, never had a good king. The only time there were any good kings was in Judah, and, which was of the line of David. And um, every time there was a good king that came along, the first thing they did was they got out all the junk out of the temple. They got all of the idols out. They came in and swept it house clean, so to speak. But the second thing they did was they always established the order of worship. So significant. So, they always reestablished. You can go back. You go back, look at Hezekiah. You go back and look at Jehoshaphat. You go look back and look at all of the good kings. They always reestablished the Davidic order of worship in the temple. That's how important it is. Even Nehemiah, when he came back from Babylon, when they came back from Babylon, he reestablished the Davidic order of worship. So important. Now, all of this, as we've said many times, is a type and a shadow. Uh, and it is a, when we, when we study the tabernacle of David, you know, it doesn't mean that we need to set up a tent out here somewhere, okay, and we need to go and have tent meetings 24-7, 24 hours a day. That's not what we're talking about. But there was, but it is a picture. It, it creates a picture of what God said he wanted to rebuild. Does that mean he wants to have a tent again? No. But what went on at the tent, all of those things that were incorporated as a part of that is what he wants to reestablish in me and you, in his church today. So there's, there's different 
areas of worship that I want to talk about. Like I told you, this is going to be kind of analytical. And I've got a lot to do before time's up. <clears throat> but there are expressions of worship. Now, we, we talked about what the word worship means. And my favorite, my favorite uh, definition of worship is the translation that's in Greek. Because the Greek word is proskinu. And that word means to kiss, a kiss towards, a kissing to. So when we worship, really worship in spirit and truth, that is what's happening. It's, an, it's a, dip, a depiction of intimacy towards God. It's a coming together with God. It's a joining with him, our heart with his heart. So all, all of worship, when it's from that attitude, it's, it is what God is after. It's what he's looking for. It's what he's seeking. It's the only thing he's seeking is worshiper, worshipers who will worship him in spirit and truth, a worship to him. So I want to talk a little about, about expressions of worship that, were, that we see in the tabernacle of David. These may seem redundant to you, and you probably all know them. But we're going to talk about it because I want to make sure that we have the proper working knowledge. When we, when we think about David's tabernacle and what went on there, we don't leave nothing out. We have a complete understanding because that's what he wants to rebuild. If we don't have a complete understanding and knowledge of it, we don't know what he's wanting to rebuild. Now, do we? We have a... A, we don't have a proper view. We have holes and we're missing different things. We don't want to miss nothing. We want a completion. We want to have complete knowledge. So I'm going to try to go through these real quick. These are different expressions of worship that we see, that we're experienced, that were taking place 24-7 in the tabernacle of David. Okay, the, of course, we talked about this already, but I'm going to go through the list. Ministry of singers and singing. David appointed certain Levites to be singers in the tabernacle of David. The ministry of the singers in the song of the Lord was very prominent here. No singers ever sang in the tabernacle of Moses up until this time. Okay? Not a word was ever sung until this particular time when David set it up. Number two, the ministry of musicians with instruments. King David also ordained musicians with a variety of instruments to play and sing before the Lord in his tabernacle. None of this had ever gone on before in the tabernacle of Moses. The ministry of Levites before the ark. The Levites were appointed to minister before the ark of the covenant continually, day by day, as every man's work required. This was indeed in great contrast to the order of the tabernacle of Moses. Right? The only the high priest on the great day of atonement was ever dared to enter into the holiest of all and stand before the ark of God. Then it was in great silence and solemnity. If any other had dared to presume into the most holy place judgment would have fallen on them. They'd have been dead. But here in David's tabernacle stood a group of Levites of the priestly tribe. They stood in their courses day by day, to minister before the ark of God. It will be remembered that the tabernacle of David signified the transference of the holiest of all from the tabernacle of Moses to Mount Zion. These Levites had access within the veil. They were the veil. They were the veil. And they ministered before the ark of the Lord. You know, they didn't have to close their eyes. They didn't have to keep their mouth shut. No wonder such songs came out of this experience. No wonder such victory songs and songs of love and adoration came out of this time because they, what they could have never done before. I don't know if y'all get that. I don't know if y'all get the same excitement over that. They could have never done this before. If they just stuck their big toe in that curtain, buddy, they would have been gone. But here, they, oh, all around the tabernacle, uh, the, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, they were able to worship and praise God. Woo! What a wonderful time this was. And you know what? You and I have the same access today. Amen. Amen. We do. 
You and I have the same access today. We don't have to worry about being struck dead. We have the blood of Jesus that covers us and gives us access to come to the Holy of Holies and worship Him. Hallelujah. But it's our worship that draws Him to us. Hallelujah. Woo. Now this is another thing I had never thought of. The ministry of recording. King David set Levites in his tabernacle to record. To record means to set it down so that it can be remembered. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that they wrote down those songs as they sang them? Woo! I am so glad. I'm so thankful because so many times right up out of my, out of my belly comes the songs. Out of right down to some of the stuff I'm going through. God, the songs will just flow out of me. I am so glad that, that there were people that David saw fit to set somebody down there. Woo! Listen, listen, old Sam over there. He's got a good one going on. Woo, that, that sounds really good. Boy, I can feel the spirit in that one. Oh, Fred over here, look at him. You know, you notice my names? I'm so glad that he, that he thought about that, that God moved on and said, set somebody there to record this stuff, that'll write it down. Hallelujah. You know, many of the Psalms, especially those which concern Zion, were given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit in connection with the tabernacle of David. The title of Psalm 80, as well as the title of, of the whole psalm, is an example of this. Asaph prayed a prophetic prayer as he stood before the Ark of the Covenant and the shepherd of Israel who dwelt between the cherubims. That's Psalm 80 and 1. Can you just picture it? I mean, he, he was witnessing it right there, and they wrote it down as he was singing it. Woo! That is so exciting to me. <clears throat> the next one is the ministry of thanking the Lord. You know, that's a ministry. There's a ministry in thanking God. Hallelujah. Many of the Psalms exhort God's people to thank the Lord for His mercy. Giving thanks is an expression of gratefulness and appreciation to the giver of all things. It's a ministry. It's an important thing. David tells us to give thanks unto the Lord. It's a ministry. Who are we ministering to? To the one we're thankful for. Hallelujah. And if there's unthankfulness, it's a sign of ungodliness. Give thanks in all things. Hallelujah. The ministry of thankfulness in all things. Because it's the will of God for us to give thanks. Because he can set you free. When you start thanking him and praising him in the middle of your stuff, God can start moving. Hallelujah. The ministry of praise. Part of the order in David's tabernacle was to praise the Lord for his goodness and mercy. There were Levi, always Levites in the respective courses, praising the Lord. <clears throat> One just, just needs to check the concordance, <laughs> yeah, and count how many times that there's a reference to praise to realize how important this is to the, unto the Lord. You know, I thought this was really a neat uh, thing that he said here. It is scriptural to say praise. Talks about in Isaiah 12, 1 and 4, and Jeremiah 33, 10, 10 through 12. It is scriptural to say praise, and it is scriptural to sing praise. It's recorded all through the Psalms. The Psalms especially exhort the people to, of the Lord to sing praises. There are over 70 references in Psalms 150 alone to sing praises. In that one chapter, there's over 70 references that tell us to sing praises. <clears throat> it's interesting that in the tabernacle of Moses, before this time, there was silent order. But in the tabernacle of David, there was continual sound of praise. Ministry of Psalms. On the day of dedication, David himself delivered a psalm to the singers and the musicians. The tabernacle of David was characterized by the writing and singing of songs. The great, greater majority of the psalms are linked with David's tabernacle. This is seen by the many references of, to Zion. It's in complete contrast 
to the tabernacle of Moses. And, you know, even through uh, the first church in the book of Acts and all through, you can see the talk about in Colossians, Ephesians, James, and in Corinthians, how they sang the Psalms unto God. Very, very important. Many centuries of history show that often the Psalms were chanted or sung. Now then, there is a ministry of rejoicing and joy. Joy and rejoicing characterize the order of Tabernacle of David also. <clears throat> the, you know, religion, religion outside of Christianity has no real joy. Christianity is only one that has real and true joy. Even the tabernacle of Moses was characterized by great solemnity. There was no joy there. There was no joy there. Not in David's tabernacle. The joy of the Lord was there in David's tabernacle. Numerous scriptures exhort the joy, the believer to rejoice in the Lord. Philippians tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So there's a, there's a ministry of rejoicing and joy. The ministry of clapping of hands. One of the Psalms for the sons of Korah exhorts the people to clap their hands, O you people, right? One of the most natural of all human responses to joy and appreciation is the clapping of hands. From the baby in the cradle to the youth to the adult, clapping of the hands is an expression of happiness, thanks, appreciation, and joy. How much more should we, how much more should you and I Clap our hands in joy to the Lord. You know, somebody gets up in somewhere, they sing really good, and, you know, we clap. Yeah. Bravo, bravo, verissimo, or whatever that word is, you know. They just clap, 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 clap. Encore, encore, encore. You know, how much more should we do that for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? The ministry of clapping of hands is not just, you know, it is an expression of, of gratitude and of, of, of uh, great appreciation that comes out of us, but how much more should we clap our hands for the Lord himself. Hallelujah. Thank you, baby. <clears throat> Ministry of shouting. When the ark of God was taken into David's tabernacle, there was much shouting unto the Lord. There's a number of scriptures that talk to us about shouting. When they shouted around Jericho, the walls came down. Right? Many times we see where there's a, a shout that goes up before the Lord and God moves and miraculous things happen. But, you know, we need to be careful that it's not a sh an empty shout. We need to be careful that it's not an empty shout. It's a shout of worship and ministry to the Lord. Because there's a time when not, we just studied this back in the very beginning, when uh, Phineas and Hophni took the ark out of uh, the tabernacle of Moses, and they took it down to battle, and they offered up a shout, and nothing happened, did it? Nothing happened except a bunch of Israelites got slaughtered and killed and the ark got captured and went off to the Philistines. We need to make sure that that shout is a shout right up out of your spirit, out of your belly. A shout for the joy of the Lord is our strength. Hallelujah. Very important. That's why all of these things say the ministry of shouting is not just a shout. It's a ministry of shout. It's the ministry of clapping. It's the ministry of singing. It's the ministry of worshiping. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Ministry of dancing. There was the expression of dancing before the Lord at the dedication day of the tabernacle of David. I would have loved to have been there seeing David. David dancing and all the rest of them. I would have loved to have been in that procession. Woo! That would have been so much fun. I tell you what. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There is a time to dance. Now, we're not, you know, a lot of people, they go, ooh, dancing? I thought that's something you did down at the club. I thought that's something you did, you know, to that sensual music. You know, we're not talking about that. We're not talking about a carnal, natural fleshly dancing we're talking about a spiritual worship and expression with all that we are yes, yes. giving it over to God and letting him and, and just enjoying the Lord dancing before the Lord it would joy and praise as a part of worshiping to the Lord Miriam danced and sang at the deliverance of the people of, of uh, Israel when they uh, crossed the Red Sea very much important you know um 
I know I'm running out of time. I'm, I'm just about finished. But I, I remember when we were pastoring, twice this has happened to me when the Lord moved on me to dance. And um, I get, just get lost in the spirit. I heard the Lord say this to me. He said, dance with me. And um, I danced. I don't know how long I danced. I get lost in it and danced for a long time. And then there was another time that a, a, a guest, a minister came. And, his, and because I was a pastor's wife, I didn't want to look like I was trying to steal a show. You know, I'm trying to get up here and get everybody to look at me by dancing. I don't do that here either. Um, and I, but I felt that I felt, I knew the Lord wanted me to dance, but I was like, oh, I don't want people to think, and I'm trying to get the spotlight on me, you know, and I was holding back. And his wife, did, she didn't know any of this, and she came up to me and she said, the Lord says he wants to dance with you. <laughs> and that was such a wonderful confirmation for me that God wanted this. This wasn't something that I just figured I wanted to do just to be doing it. That God wants us to dance before him. God wants us to, to just enjoy him and give this expressions of ministry to him in all of these ways. Praise the Lord. The ministry of lifting up of hands. The Levites in their courses in Zion also lifted up their hands as an act of worship in the Lord's, in the Lord, of, to the Lord in David's tabernacle. We see many times lifting of hands in Scripture has several suggested meanings. It's an act of surrender, of a person taking a vow before the Lord, of prayer and worship. It is a part of Old and New Testament worship. We're encouraged to lift up our hands unto the Lord and to praise Him, to lift up clean hands before the Lord. Many, many times it's talked about. There's a ministry of lifting up of our hands. And I even talked a little bit about that, how that spiritual application comes into play as they were worshiping around the ark of God. It's very significant of the cherubim on the ark with, his, with the cherubim's wings raised up and how it's a picture of what, day, what Moses saw of the six-winged seraphim. And the number six means man, don't it? So he's interested in our wings being lifted in praise and worship unto him. Hallelujah. He comes and he sits in the middle of that stuff. The ministry of worship. Although the word worship is used, being used in this chapter to broadcast in sense, it's the strictest sense. It means to bow down, to stoop very low, to prostrate itself. And I talked about the word in the Greek, which means a kissing towards. You know, the aspect of worship is the highest expression before God of all expressions of worship in spirit and in truth. That's what God is seeking for. He's looking for. He's searching for people who will worship him in spirit and truth. And he found this in David. Yes. He found this in David. And it was so special to him. And that's what he's looking for in us. The ministry of worship unto him. Just a few more. Ministry of seeking the Lord. David exhorted the Levites to seek the face of the Lord in his tabernacle. This is also a part of worship. How many of you know the word says, seek him first, seek him first, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek him first. It is a ministry where we're seeking God's face with our whole heart. Only those who seek him with their whole being will find him. We are to rejoice as we seek him. <clears throat> the next one is the ministry of spiritual sacrifices. This was so indicative of David's tabernacle. Totally different from Moses' uh, tabernacle where the blood sacrifices were offered. In David's tabernacle, only at the dedication of his tabernacle was there ever any blood sacrifices done. The rest of the time, it was the sac spiritual sacrifices of joy and of thanksgiving and of praise that went on. That's what God is, that's, that's God's favorite sacrifices. Those sacrifices of joy and thanksgiving and praise that we offer him throughout all of the stuff that's going in our life. These are spiritual sacrifices offered up by the royal priesthood, and we are the royal priesthood, are we not? In the spiritual house of the church. No more animal sacrifices are needed since the once and for all sacrifice of the body and the blood of Jesus. The New Testament believer as a ministering priest unto the Lord, 
offers his body as a living sacrifice and his praise and his substance and spiritual sacrifices to God through Christ. That is, that is what we're to be about. That's what, that's what went on in the tabernacle of David. That's what he wants to rebuild in you and I, in his church today. The last ministry, and I never looked at this as a ministry before until I studied this. The ministry of saying amen. In Hebrew, the word amen means sure. It is translated amen, so be it, truth. It involves faithfulness and truth. In the Greek, the same word means firm, trustworthy, so be it. And is translated amen, verily, so be it. Full of trustworthiness, faithfulness. The saying of amen from the heart is an expression of support, approval of faith, of certainty that the thing spoken is true. And it shall come to pass. When you say amen, you're, you're coming into agreement with it. It's a ministry of agreement. Saying, I am in agreement with that. Amen. So be it. I expect it. I look forward to it. I believe it. I know it's coming. It ain't no question about it. You can take that to the bank. That's the ministry of saying amen. What a powerful. I never, never thought of it that way. I never looked at it like that. When you say amen, buddy, you're hooking up with something. You say amen to the word of God, you're hooking up with the word of God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. It is, no, it is worthy to note, this is so good, that Israel only responded with amen to the curses of the Lord in Deuteronomy 27, 15 through 26 and Numbers 522. Oh, this so good. <laughs> but in the tabernacle of David, it was amen to the blessing. No more amen to the curse. We've changed from that. We've left the law of Moses in the tabernacle of David. We're over here where the blessing is. Woo! We're over here. We say amen to the blessings of God. We say amen to what God wants to do. Hallelujah. And you know what? What did Amos say? What did, what did we read when we read Amos 9 and 11? God wanted to rebuild that. Why? So the blessings would flow. So that the wine would flow off of the mountain. And you can say amen to the blessings of God. Not to the curse. We've left that. Woo, how indicative that of the New Testament. We live in the blessing of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We say amen to the blessings of God. We say so be it to the blessings of God. We say yes and amen in truth. We believe it. We expect it. We live in it. The blessings of God. We say amen to the blessings of God. That's what they said amen. To. When they said amen, when they said so be it, amen. They were saying in the tabernacle of David, they were saying amen to your blessings, Lord. Hallelujah. What a wonderful thing. This is what went on in Mount Zion. This, no wonder. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. It's no wonder that the writer to the Hebrews, Paul, Apollo, Apollos, whoever you think he is, it don't matter. It was God. It was God through whoever. It is no wonder that the writer to the Hebrews tells the believers that we are not come to Mount Sinai. You know what that represents? Mount Sinai represents the law. We're not come to the law. That's right. We're not come to the amen to the cursings. We're not come to the law, but we're come to Mount Zion. Not to the tabernacle of Moses with its silent order of worship and the letter of all that kills, but we are come to the tabernacle of David, to the ministry of the Spirit which gives life. And we say amen to the spirit which gives life. Amen to the blessings of God. That's what God wants to rebuild in you and I. That is the rebuilding of the tabernacle of David. That's the picture. 
I hope I've painted a good enough picture for you. I hope I've established through these, I know it was kind of drudgery through all of these specific things, but I want you to have a complete picture of what went on at the tabernacle of David and realize that this is what God wants to rebuild in you and I. These are the walls that have fallen down. These are the breaches and the holes that God wants to fill up and put back into play. These ministries, you and I, this going on in me and you, every day of the week, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year long. And then when we come together, no wonder, no wonder. Can you see why the enemy wants to divide us, wants to keep us apart, wants to keep crap going on in everybody's life, wants to get you under stuff? Want to give, keep you where you, you don't say amen to the blessings? All you think is going on is cursing, 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 cursing. No wonder he wants to divide us and keep all that stuff going on. But if we will start saying amen to the blessing, get in this place, this place of worship and praise out of our heart and our spirit. When we come together, can nothing stop us. Hallelujah. Can't nothing stand against that. And yes, the wine will be flowing off the mountains. And everywhere you look, there will be Blessing right at, on the left hand. Turn. Whoop, there's a blessing there. Whoop, there's a blessing there. Whoop, there's a blessing there. Amen and amen and amen to the blessings. Hallelujah. That's, that's what Zion is all about. That's what Zion is. I hope that you get a different picture of Zion. And you and I, you and I are Zion. We're the church. We're Zion. It's not someplace over there in Jerusalem. You and I are Mount Zion. You and I are what God is establishing today. You and I, He sits on our hearts. You are the temple of the Holy Ghost. He sits in you and me, and we come together. Buddy, I tell you what, things are, things are happen. Things are change. Hallelujah. Everywhere you go, there will be blessings. Can anybody say ble- amen to the blessing? Amen, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it and pray that you are blessed by God's word. For more information about Passion Church, visit www.mypassion.church.